Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast. The beginning of any new endeavor can be challenging. There are unique practices, new language, and so many questions about the way things are supposed to work. This newness can be tricky to navigate and sometimes downright frustrating. In this series, we'll focus on addressing questions that people who are new to Christianity or are just starting to engage with scripture might have. We hope these conversations will inspire and encourage you to more fully participate in the kingdom of God. Too often, church leaders are either held on a pedestal or unfairly judged. Church should be a place where good leaders serve the people around them, shepherding others toward the gospel of Jesus. God has put wisdom in each of us. You have the power to discern if church leaders and church structures are stewarding well. But be warned, you yourself are not immune to poor leadership, no matter what role you have in the body of Christ. We are all called to steward well and work together in unity. So God gave a lot of latitude to, to organize. Because the, the, the idea is he gave us to rule over the angels who are more qualified than we are, more capable. But what he wants to show is that living in faith and dependence is superior to being a strong man and, and lording over. Okay, that, that, we, we talked about that in another segment, what is the Bible about? That's the meta-narrative of the Bible. So if God says, all right, well, I want to demonstrate that babies and nursing infants are superior to Satan uh, because babies and nursing infants uh, are dependent and they walk in faith, they have no choice. I'm going to select a group of people who will walk in faith and they're going to be better rulers. You would, therefore, expect that the way God would instruct both his nation and his body, if we think about Old Testament, New Testament manifestations. So his nation meaning Israel. Israel. Okay. And his body, which meaning is... all of us all now who are believers. Who are believers. Same, different manifestations, same idea, his people. Right. Okay? That the leaders ought to be servants. And the leaders ought to be walking in faith, serving others. And that's exactly what Israel was set up to do. The law, he gave the law, but his basic principle as the law is love your neighbor as yourself. And the responsibility for that is on who? Us, each of us. E each of us, right? Yeah. And if each of us do that, you have an amazing place. I mean, when you are part of a group, and hopefully, hopefully everyone's experienced that, where everyone is contributing something to a shared purpose. Maybe it's a sports team or uh, maybe even just a barbecue or something. It's just fun to be a part of where I'm contributing to build this Habitat for Humanity house or whatever, the, whatever it is. We all have a shared goal and I'm doing my part. That is the most fulfillment in life because that's what we were meant to do. So the opposite of that is uh, strongman controlling which was what Satan wanted to do. I will ascend to the most high, strong man control. And so in, in Israel, Israel was pulled out of Canaan and uh, or pulled out of Egypt and then contrast with Canaan, both of whom were strong exploit the weak cultures. And God was very specifically setting up a strong serve the weak culture. That, and he and basically said, if you'll do this, you will be blessed obviously. It's very practical 
uh, that's a much better uh, uh, thriving society. And I will bless you extra. And if you don't, you're a bad example, and I move bad examples off the board. I'll exile you. That was Israel. Well, he's got basically the same idea with the New Testament church, okay? okay? And so I'll just go to this 1 Peter chapter 5 passage, and it says, The elders who are among you I exhort, whom a fellow elder. Okay, so now we're talking about elders. Elder is a... Uh, so Peter's Jewish, right? And this is First Peter, so he's probably talking mainly to the Jewish believers. Right. There were Jewish believers. There were Gentile believers. They fellowshiped together, but I mean, practically, right? They, culturally, culturally, he's they're they're different, right. and culturally, he's Jewish. Elder is who ruled in the Jewish communities. They were the rulers of the communities, and so you they they brought that concept over elder. Which, interestingly, in Greek, this is presbyteros. Sounds familiar? Presbyterian? Presbyterian okay. Yeah. So presbyteros. And I, I exhort you who am a fellow elder. So Peter considered himself an elder. So did John. So I am an elder also. So this is a, someone who is over the church. I'm an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. So what did Christ do as the ultimate shepherd? He suffered on behalf of his people. Right. All right. So this is, this is giving you the servant idea right off the bat. And Peter says, I'm also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. So I saw on the Mount of Transfiguration what's to come. I saw that. And I have that in mind when I'm functioning as an elder. I'm going to, I'm going to see God face to face, and I'm going to have accountability for what I do. Okay, he says, this is the command, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers. The word overseer is episkopos. Sound familiar? Episcopalians, right? <laughs> okay, so there's been a historical split about church governance, and in this verse, they're all, we're supposed to do all of those things, right. okay? So we're supposed to have elders or leaders who... who uh, shepherd by overseeing. And what do shepherds do to a flock? They protect and they nourish. That's what, that's what your goal. They guard and nourish, not rule over. And he goes on to say, not by compulsion, but willingly. In other words, don't, don't be for, you're not forced into this. It's a service, not for dishonest gain. So not because, hey, that's a chance for me to monetize my influence. That's off, that's off limits but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you. So don't lord over. Don't be the big man right. that is getting affirmation from the people and I'm commanding. Because which road is that like? That's the Egyptian Canaanite Satan sort of thing is I'm lording over. I finally have some power. I'm going to exercise it now. No. What we're supposed to do is say, I have authority. I'm going to use it to serve, to protect, to equip, to build up, to correct. Okay, why? Because for their best interest. And then, he, and then he says this, but be examples to the flock. So the, the leaders in the church are supposed to be people you want everyone to be like. And when the chief shepherd appears, so now he, taught, he calls Jesus the chief shepherd. So Peter, I'm a shepherd but I've got a shepherd over me. 
And when the chief shepherd appears, in other words, when Jesus comes back and there's an accounting, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So there's going to be a great reward by the chief shepherd for those who will serve as shepherds serving. And the servant leadership is, I am helping you get where you want to go. I'm helping you elevate your gifts so you can contribute them. And I'm showing you the way of that is for your benefit and how that contrasts with the way that's self-destructive. That's servant leadership. And when we do that, we are actually doing what is for our ultimate fulfillment, which is Jesus coming and saying, hey, thanks for doing what I, what I left you to do. That I, all authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth, and I'm leaving it to you to do that. So now that's the proper uh, expression of, of church leadership. What you call it and what you put in your constitution, there's broad latitude for you. You can, you can do whatever you want to, okay? Words are words. The function of it should be servant leadership serving people. That's, that's the basic principle. It makes sense to me. <laughs> and uh, so a more basic question, like do I need to know how my church is structured and... Does it matter? Or I'm just looking at it generally. You're, I, I'm guessing what you're saying is if it's aligned with those principles, then it's fine. It's fine. It doesn't matter what they call people. It doesn't matter exactly what the structure is. Now, I'm, that, Tim, that might be a little bit controversial, right? Because there are people, you and I talked about this early on, and I, I think this is an important side note. I came to you at some point and I said, all this doctrinal differences between the various denominations and you know people get pretty agitated about that I could read a lot of that online to be honest a lot of it most of it's over my head and I told you <laughs> I don't really find it interesting it doesn't seem to be the essence of the thing to me it's my relationship with Jesus Christ that he's my Lord and Savior that's the essence to me and you said yeah that's good it's right better that way and I, th I remember you saying like I studied this stuff my whole life if you really want to know it's interesting it's not that it's that it's irrelevant it's interesting if you want to know come to me but that's not the essence of the thing and I think that ties into what you're saying well most most factions have some distinction that they emphasize right and the average person doesn't care about that distinction because right. it's like it's usually some Nuance, you know, I, I think uh, 5,000 pin, you know, head, angels can dance on the head of a pin and you think it's 3,500 3, type of stuff. Right. Um, and, and a lot of it has to do with church administration and stuff like that. And most people want to know, well, how can I have live a better life? Right. And what does God have for me? Right. So, uh, but ultimately, you are responsible for the doctrine that that church does. Right. And as you get influence in a church, you, you have a responsibility to bring this leadership style into the church. Right. And if there is a strong man in the church or a strong woman in the church that's lording it over and there's a, uh, you know, there's a, uh, a worship of that person going on, rather than a strong man or strong woman that is serving and protecting um, that is an unhealthy structure. Right. So there's an important distinction you just made in modern culture, I think, in, in the church, these big churches especially. It can be a small church too, but, you know, if you're a new Christian, you might find that there are 
pastors, ministers that are really well known, right? Now they have national followings, maybe huge churches that podcast, television broadcasts. That's not necessarily bad. You're not saying that that's bad. That's a that's not like the all. lording over. No. That's somebody who has presence, but they're not necessarily the strong man or strong exactly. woman. Well, I think the key there, the danger in that in those situations is there has to be a submission to the chief shepherd. Right. There can't be uh, a lot of a lot of church structures end up being, um, you know, we see past Jesus straight to uh, the way that our pastor sees Jesus. So as long as someone kind of comes under the, the, the guidance of the chief shepherd, it, there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with having a following. There's nothing, it gets, it's more and more tempting to, to become the chief shepherd or to think of your pastor as the chief shepherd when they have a bigger following. But just on paper, there's, there's nothing wrong with it as long as you're you know, following the chief shepherd. I think in terms of your question, what do I need to be aware of? I think that's maybe the key thing of, of are we all following under the guidance of Christ? I, I have some friends who really hate the term head pastor mm -hmm. because of the way the scripture talks about Jesus is the head of the church. And right. just that, you know, it might sound like, um, you know, squabbling or whatever, but it like yeah, to it them, it's, an, the it's an way. important, yeah. it's an important distinction. We can't forget that Jesus is the head of, of the church. And I would also add, there's kind of two different ways of thinking about church leadership. And, and one is, you know, you've got people that need to be in leadership roles. They, someone kind of needs to make a final decision about something or vision or guidance. And, and, and that's a role. When Kylie and I were on the mission field, we would have people just fallen over themselves to get in this leadership role because they thought it said something about who they were. They thought it was, you know, validating to their identity or it gave them some sense of power. And we were just like, look, in some ways, we just need someone to answer the phone when we call. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's a big deal, uh, but it's not as big of a deal as, like, we shouldn't all be fumbling over it. There's, right. there's a reality in which there's a certain structure and it needs to, to be in place in order for an organization to be effective. But those leaders should serve. And it's if you're in one of those roles, it's like, be careful what you're asking for because you're asking to be in a place where you serve. So that's the one dynamic. The other dynamic is that we're all leaders in our church. We're all called, a leader is somebody who influences another person towards a vision. And we all do that. We're all supposed to do that. And so be careful that you're not uh, outsourcing uh, your leadership responsibilities onto one particular personality who stands at the pulpit most often at your church. We are all called to be leaders and to be people of influence uh, within our church. And, and that, in a more broad, is, is in the way you know the Bible talks about we're all supposed to be ministers, we're all supposed to be pastors and guide, uh, is maybe the most important way to think about church leadership. But it does also need that other element of there does need to be uh, kind of a, a hierarchical structure, but you flip that upside down where the highest person isn't the person with the most power and the most prestige and, and the one that's most adored. That's the person uh, who is resourcing the other people to step into their leadership, is trying to serve them in order to help awaken them into the type of influence that God has called them into. You know, we describe in our organization, every organization has an organizational pyramid, right? Companies yeah. have this. and. And the way that pyramid works, traditionally speaking, is the very top is the CEO or the president, and then you've got some mm -hmm. mid-level managers underneath them, and so on down to the, 
at the bottom of the line employee or whatever you would call them in a particular organization. And I think it seems to me if you're practicing servant leadership, that pyramid actually sits on its tip. The bottom is the tip, right? The CEO, the president, the executive director, whatever, their job is to serve everybody else in the organization. Toward the mission. Towards the mission. Toward the mission. That's a real key distinction between uh, toward the mission or make everybody feel good. So, so if you're in that pyramid, let's say you have an authority pyramid, the elders are at the top. Their job should be, as you said, like upside down pyramid, to serve the mission. So they are serving the mission, which is stir one another up to love and good works, equip the church, that sort of thing, uh, speak the truth, that's the mission. Their job is not to make everybody feel better about themselves. Right. Right? Their, their job is to point them to a direction that's more productive for themselves, all right? And so that's a really important, how you use your authority for the mission. Absolutely, that's what they're supposed to do. That's what, that's what Jesus did. He became a servant to all, but he didn't make people feel better about themselves. Right. He pointed them to, to a better way is what he consistently did. So that's the right kind of leadership. That's right. And, you know, we went through a transition in our organization that you helped lead us through. And it was actually a young a godly young woman that brought this up to me. We used to say that our one of the core things that we did as people and as an organization is to be nice. Mm-hmm. And to the extent, like it was so strong in our organization, that culture of niceness, that the staff had a shirt made for me that said, be nice, mm-hmm. right? And one day I had this young woman come to me, a lifelong Christian, and she said, you know, I really have a problem with this. Mm-hmm. Our, what you really mean is be kind. Yep. You don't mean be nice. That's and, right. Because be nice is make everybody feel good. Right? Yeah. You, it's, there's a fake aspect mm-hmm. to be nice. The core competency of a coward is niceness. That's, that's a good way to put it. And so <laughs> she said being kind, Jesus was always kind. Always kind. But sometimes, and, and you've helped teach me this, sometimes kind means I say the thing that's hard to say yes. that you really don't want to hear, and you but probably you won't like me mm-hmm. for saying it to you. Mm-hmm. You might even leave. Yeah. You might leave our flock, our church, our organization because I said the true thing to you because that was the kind thing to do. So that's that's part of what you're talking about is a, somebody who is a true servant leader is not just being nice to everybody and making no. everybody feel good. No, so that's not, not the As pastor fact, or minister's job. Yeah, it's exactly not what to do. Because who is that serving? If I want to make everybody feel good, what am I actually trying to do? You're serving yourself. You want everybody to like you. I want everybody to like me. And that is exactly not what to do. That is not leadership. That's wholly self-serving. So to apply this to church leadership, then if I'm, if I'm looking at and trying to have an honest appraisal of my church's leadership, part of the question is, are they willing to have the tough conversations? Are they willing to do the tough things? So there's, a, there's an actual uh, passage here about what uh, an elder should look like. It's in uh, Titus, and it's uh, Paul writing a letter to, to, to Titus, and he says, I, I left you in Crete, an island, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city. And then he says, here's the qualifications. If a man is blameless, husband of one wife, so family-oriented, has a, has a solid family, having faithful ch- children not accused of dissipation or insubordination. Okay, so 
can they, can they cause obedience in their own kids? If their right. kids are insubordinate, they're not good leaders. Right. They don't know how to create a good culture. All right. So that's, that's an important thing to look at. Is that person somebody I would want my kids to be in their family? All right. Um, and then it says, for a bishop must be blameless. That's interesting. Now, bishop is, is uh, used as the function of an elder. Right. Episcopos. It was translated overseer in the, in the first Peter passage. It's the same thing. It's an, somebody who's, who has a job of oversight. So now we've got Presbyterians, right. uh, Episcopalians. <laughs> Episcopalians, and anybody that has a bishop, and they're all, it's leaders overseeing right. is, is what all that's talking about. They must be blameless and a steward of God, not self-willed nor quick-tempered, nor given to wine, so they have self-governance, and not violent, nor greedy for money, so they're, they're willing to serve others, but hospitable, a lover of what's good, sober-minded, sober uh, just, holy, self-controlled, holding, fa holding fast the faithful word as they've been taught so that you may be able by sound doctrine to exhort and convict anyone who contradicts the word. So this is, this is someone who stands for something, they have a really clear mission, they're living consistent with that mission, and they're willing to confront and stand for what's true. Why? Because that's what protection is. That's what you want in leaders. And now, so I would say to every person, you have two jobs. One is, look, you're a new believer. Look for a church that has those, those characteristics or is seeking those characteristics. Right. It's still going to be people, right. right? More important, become this yourself. This is your call to be a leader. There's no, none of us should not be seeking that. So I had a, I had a time in my life where I started looking at some, I was looking at a different passage that talks about these things. And I said, well, you know, uh, I'm, not an, I'm not an elder in, in our church as a, from the standpoint of an office that's mm -hmm. uh, in administrative function. But I looked at it and said, you know, I ought, to, I ought to shoot to have those characteristics. And I went through, and I'm oh, pretty good, pretty good. And I got to the word gentle. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm not that. So <laughs> I, started, I started diving into, well, what does that really mean? Mm -hmm. And, and I, really, I really decided that the main thing that that was talking about is the ability to listen to other people and see things from their perspective. And so I really dug in to start uh, really become an effective listener, which is one of our servant leadership tools. And I think it helped me immensely in of being effective as a leader uh, just because I was, I was, and I saw that in that list of like, uh, that no one would say that of me. Right. Now, they probably still wouldn't because people tend to think of gentle as you make me feel good right. and you're highly approachable. But I don't think that's actually what that passage was talking about. But from the standpoint of approachability of do you actually listen, anybody can do that. You don't have to exude warm fuzzies. Uh, that's more of an, something you have or you don't. Mm -hmm. But everybody can learn to listen. Right. So, I mean, this to me, this is a pretty good primer on you're looking for a church, going to a church. Now you know biblically how a church should be structured according to the Bible. And you have some good insights on... When you see somebody 
up at the pulpit or speaking from stage and, and they're a professed quote-unquote leader of the church, what's their life look like? And you can look at that and those folks who are up there on stage are generally living fairly open lives, right? I mean, that's there for all to see. You can look at their family. They could be hiding stuff. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, or maybe maybe they have a public persona and a private persona, and you can go do some digging right. and find out what the private persona is. And if they're a prima donna, yep. uh, which happens, and sometimes people start off great and they have inadequate accountability, which means they're, they're co- so every one of these elders, elders, it's plural every time, right. Why is it always plural? None of us is past going off the rails of if we don't have accountability, right? right. right? Everybody needs accountability. Uh, that's one of the good things about marriage. Uh, your spouse knows. <laughs> <laughs> You're not as special as you think you are. <laughs> so uh, anybody that has been let down by their fellow elders and allowed to become a pre Madonna, so it's a mutual accountability, right. I would say. Um, I, would, I wouldn't go to that place. Moses was called, I mean, you would say he had a lot of authority, right? Yeah. Moses is called the most humble man in all the earth, the meekest man in all the earth in Scripture. Well, he had a ton of authority. It's not authority that's the problem. It's how you use the authority. Mm-hmm. And what Moses used his authority 100% is to serve that nation and God's, well, 99.9%. He, he, he had so a couple, close, yeah. he got really close. <laughs> <laughs> but he used his authority to serve that nation and God's, uh, and God's vision for that nation, even to the point where God came in and said, I think I've had it with these people. Why don't I just kind of wipe them out and I'll just start over with you. I can, you're, you're a descendant of Abraham, so I can still fulfill all of my promises to him through you. And I've just, I, I just don't. I've had it with these people. And Moses goes, if I remember right, he went and fasted and prayed 40 days and 40 nights for Israel. And his main argument to God is, yes, you would, you would uh, fulfill your promises to Abraham, but all the other nations would think you had failed when they see you wiped out and, they, and they, you would look bad. So don't do that. You need to forgive these people. Well, that's a guy with ultimate authority, 100% laying down his life serving his people. So there's your, there's your humility. There's your meekest man in the earth. It's not, you know, how, how famous is this person or how much attention do they get. It's what are they doing with it that you, that you want to really look into. And I actually, I've actually had, you know, enough exposure to that world to feel fairly confident saying there's some of each. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think you could say that about most any. Yeah, I mean, we can sum it up by life. saying that everywhere you go, you're going to experience people. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. But, you know, the judgment is up to you. Right. God, God gave you the, the, the authority to make those decisions. You get to choose how you look at things. So that's what we're talking about here, how you ought to look at church leadership, how you ought to be a leader yourself. Uh, And he gives you the choice, and he also allows you who to trust. And ultimately, you're going to trust God in all these things. Now, there's one other thing that I would say that's relevant to this whole topic 
because what, what we, we've talked about how to select leaders and how to judge and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, the, the burden for leadership, and you started with this, is on us to right. be leaders. And, and Galatians 6 is my favorite passage on this and because it, it says, bear one another's burdens. Okay? And then like two, two verses later it says, carry your own load. So when you say bear not one another's burdens, our tendency is to say, Joey, you need to be bearing my burdens. That's what the Bible says. Mark, you need to be bearing my burdens. That's what, because that's what we do as kids. You teach kids about sharing, and the first right. thing they say is they need to share with me, right? right? So that's nipped in the bud, right? You carry your own load. Don't expect other people to carry your load, but you carry theirs. That's, that's servant leadership right there in a nutshell. So when you go to anything, whether it's family, work, or uh, assem assembling of other believers, the attitude that you should have is, I'm going, I'm carrying my own load. I, you know, I want, I want to be stirred up to love and good work, so I want to change. But I'm also looking to carry my part of their load of this organization. Right. So self-governance at its essence means it's on me. I'm a, it's all on me. I'm going to come in. And I think that's a, a great overarching theme for what we're talking about when you go out and you look at a church because it's your responsibility to choose the right church. It's your responsibility to look at the leadership and say, is this biblical? It can seem a little overwhelming, but it's actually relatively simple. And we describe, I mean, you, you're going to know. You go into a church. Do these seem like good people? They're willing to carry each other's burdens. They're, they're living biblically to the best of their ability. Nobody's perfect, obviously, except for Jesus Are they himself. trying to love their neighbor as themselves, or right. are they lording over right. and self-seeking? That's not that hard to right. ferret out. So we've said a lot of stuff that can sound complicated, and especially if you're a new believer, it can sound really complicated. It's not. I, I think what I always tell people is you, you know. You know. You already know. So go in, trust your intuition, look at what's going on, and say, yeah, this place seems generally to me like it's operating biblically. It's, you, you just kind of summarized uh, the summary of Deuteronomy. After all those laws, you know, uh, chapter 5 to chapter 26, fully explaining the Ten Commandments and how to live them, uh, God uh, then, then comes up with this. I'm adding this extra covenant thing, and he says in chapter 30, he says, Look, you know. <laughs> you know. This yeah. is not that hard. It's, it's not that hard. You don't have to have an angel come down and explain this. You don't have to have a missionary come explain this. You know. So just speak it and then do it. Right. Yeah, I think that's good. I, I remember raising the kids up, and I would say to my kids, like, I know you know when you do something wrong. <laughs> it's not a question for you. You know it's wrong. Yeah, you're trying to hide what's wrong. That's how I know you know it's wrong, right? And so I think it's the same way. We know more than we give ourselves credit for knowing partially because God wrote it on our hearts. That's exactly right. So what do you resonate with? And if you're resonating with something like, oh, I want to be like that person because they have great power and they power over and they're famous in it, that's, a, that's the wrong, that's the, that's the flesh. Right. So that now that's temptation. Run from that. Right. And if you go and you say, oh, okay, these are people that are really giving and I want to be like them. Yeah, that's what that's you lean spirit. into. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, 
visit our website at yellowbloons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowbloons.net. Thanks for listening.